This is Warrior's Way Podcast, episode 39, and I'm James Zeke. Empty your cup. The air was muggy and fetid in the Long Beach Sports Arena on that summer day in 1964. The air conditioning was malfunctioning, and the crowd at the International Karate Tournament was getting restless after watching hours of matches. Then... Ed Parker, sponsor of the annual event, took the microphone and introduced Bruce Lee. He was going to put on a demonstration of Jeet Kune Do. There was an instant hush, and all the heads craned forward. Before his movie career began, Bruce Lee was already a legend among martial artists. Bruce walked onto the elevated boxing ring wearing a simple black tailor-made kung fu uniform. He spoke quietly for a few moments about his art and then began the demonstration. It was always impressive to watch a large, muscular man perform karate, overwhelming the observer with a display of sheer, vibrant power. But to me... It is even more impressive to see a slightly built man executing techniques with blinding speed. His motions as quick and elegant as those of a bird in flight. When Bruce finished, there was a moment of silence and then shattering applause. Some weeks later, a friend arranged for me to meet Bruce, from whom I hoped to take private lessons. Bruce was highly selective about the students he chose to teach, and this meeting was to be a kind of addition for me. Since he gave only private lessons and had no formal studio, the meeting was at my home. He arrived promptly, and I went out into the front yard to meet him. At first glance, he appeared even smaller than he looked on the stage. He was wearing a snug-fitting, full-length athletic pants and a green tank top, shirt that revealed rippling muscles. He was smiling when we shook hands, but he quickly got to the point. Why do you want to study with me? He asked. Because I was impressed with your demonstration because I've heard you are the best. You studied other martial arts? He asked. For a long time, I answered, but I stopped some time ago and now I want to start over again. Bruce nodded and he asked me to demonstrate some of the techniques I already knew. We went out to my driveway, and he watched intently as I went through the various katas or exercises from other disciplines. Then he asked me to execute some basic kicks, blocks, and punches on a bag hanging from a rafter of the garage. Do you realize you have to unlearn all you've learned and start over again, he asked. Uh, No, I said. Bruce smiled and placed his hand lightly on my shoulder. Let me tell you a story my Sifu taught me, he said. It's about the Japanese Zen master who received a university professor who came to inquire about Zen. It was obvious to the master from the start of the conversation that the professor was not so much interested in learning about Zen as he was in impressing the master with his own opinions and knowledge. The master listened patiently and finally suggested they have some tea. The master poured his visitor's cup full and then kept pouring. 
The professor watched the cup overflowing until he could no longer restrain himself. The cup is over full. No more will go in. Like this cup, the master said, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? Bruce studied my face. Do you understand the point? Yeah, I said, you want me to empty my mind of past knowledge and old habits so that I'll be open to new learning. Precisely, said Bruce. And now we're ready to begin your first lesson. This does not mean that Bruce prevented me from applying a critical mind to his teaching. In fact, he welcomed discussion and even argument. But when challenged too long on a point, his reply was always, at least empty your cup and try. Later, I learned that Bruce practiced what he taught. As a youth in Hong Kong, he had studied Wing Chun, a branch of Gung Fu, under the celebrated master Yip Man. When he came to America as a teenager, he observed Ed Parker's Kenpo Karate, taking from it many hand techniques that appealed to him. From Taekwondo, he borrowed the devastating kicks that make the Korean style so formidable. He also studied other styles of martial arts, taking all of them from all of them whatever he thought useful. Although considered one of the best martial artists of his time, he was always learning, always in constant process of change and improvement. He truly kept his cup empty. Bruce had not only developed his physical abilities to a point of perfection, he had also honed his mind with the study of Zen. His den in Los Angeles was stacked ceiling high with worn volumes of the Zen masters written in Chinese and in English. And it's been more than a decade since my first lesson with Bruce, and I'm now in my mid-fifties, with half a century of life experience behind me. I still sometimes get impatient with new ideas or techniques, but when I feel impatient or act dogmatically self-assured, I remind myself of that first lesson Bruce taught me, and I try to empty my cup to make room for new methods and new ideas. This was my first real lesson in Zen in the martial arts and its application to life. Although at the time I didn't recognize it as Zen, it was merely good sense, which is really what Zen really is. So, man, I can't tell you how many times I've read that. That is from an incredible book called Zen in the Martial Arts by a man by the name of Joe Hyams. At least I hope that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, I have read that book, I don't even know how many times. I read it for the first time when I was about 11 years old, and it's one of the books that probably changed my life the most. If you have not read it, you need to go and find it. It's not a how-to guide. It's a kind of book that kind of changes your view on things. I think of it as a primer for everybody who trains in the martial arts. First of all, that book taught me some of the core inner aspects of what the martial arts, and for that matter, what this podcast is about. 
It's about how training is actually about the development of the individual. Or maybe better, it's about the evolution of the individual. That's what Jeet Kune Do is about. Training can be like gaining a superpower if it's developed and if it's taught correctly. And there are two key takeaways from this chapter from the book. One is that both Bruce Lee and Joe Hyams were accomplished martial artists when they got together, but both were striving to learn more. Both realized that this process never stops. You don't get a black belt, for instance, and suddenly you have all the answers. If anything, a black belt is just a visual representation that you are now starting to study the art, starting to look, really look for answers. The second thing is that of learning to empty the cup. I tell my students about this all the time, and I first got it from this book. Nothing could be more important when it comes to studying the martial arts and maybe in life. We have to be in a daily habit of emptying that cup out, understanding how much more we have to learn, being humble, keeping our eyes open, truly open. And if we don't, there isn't a lot of reason to even be training. I mean, what are you possibly going to learn if you already know everything or believe you do? Think about that next time you open your mouth to put in your two cents when your teacher is trying to teach. As I tell my students all the time, the class that I learn the most in is actually the kids' martial arts classes. Seriously. Every single time I teach a kid's class, I walk away with something. Think about that. I've got coming up to 40 years in the martial arts. And when I am there showing the kids how to do this or how to do that, I'm the one walking away with having learned something. It can be something subtle or it can be something profound. And I'd only get that with having a completely open mind when it comes to what is happening in the teaching and in the training. And believe me, if you have never taught a kid's class, especially a martial arts class, you don't even know what it's like. (laughs) It, It can be challenging, it can be frustrating, it can break your heart, it can make you laugh out loud. It's the best. I recommend people help out in a kid's class, if not all the time, from time to time. Just tell your instructor you'd like to come and help, and I bet you they'll jump at the offer. What you will find is not only completely new and fresh insights from the kids, but sometimes questions that you never would have asked yourself, coming out of their small, inquisitive minds. Unfortunately, For many people, the open-mindedness that's required in the martial arts and in life is something that is hard to accept, and it's even harder to really engage. Instead, everyone thinks they have all the answers. We don't realize what we have when we have it. We look for something better. We don't want to do the work. We don't want to wait. We think that we are perfectly awesome, just how we are, 
and we don't need anyone. Training, though, is about becoming a better person. It's about seeing who we are and what we do. Training is about fully examining our lives and then doing all the work required to make it better. And none of it's easy. We all fall flat and just keep coasting. But someone who really understands the process and the training understands that pass or fail, they have to try. They have to do the work. It takes commitment and work and an ability to endure, and it also takes, above all else, the open mind that allows us to see what we have to do and who we are and where we can go and all that's required. This is about being a lifelong student. I've come to see that this way of life may not be for everybody. I'm not going to lie. People these days like to take a more tourist approach to not just training, but their lives. They want to do what's easy. They want to do what's comfortable. They want to do whatever on their own time or not. Something takes work. Something takes time. Well, maybe that isn't for me, or maybe I'll just keep my toes in it and see what happens until I find something new or something better, or... That's a lame way to live your life. Don't be lame. You can do a lot of things in this life. Imagine what you could do with your life if you not just coasted in your martial arts, but if you dove in deep and trained hard and with drive and commitment and incredible and inspiring open mind. Imagine what would happen in a decade of an ethic like that, or maybe two or three or four or five decades. When you empty your cup and allow it to be filled, you might just find that you discover what you're drinking is even more precious, more delicious, more incredible than when you first started sipping. You never know. So, let's go on to the question of the day. Today's question of the day is a good one. There has been a lot of attention these days to marijuana use in jiu-jitsu. Do you think that pot mixes with the martial arts? Well, my simple answer is don't be freaking ridiculous. Now, I'm not a prude or straight-laced at all. And you can do whatever you want when you have downtime, as long as you aren't hurting others or yourself. And I don't really need to know. I don't think anybody needs to know what anybody does to relax. What I will say is that smoking anything doesn't mix with training or fitness or the martial arts. Martial arts is about improving every aspect of your life. So if you smoke, that's counter to that. And yeah, I know you can ingest marijuana in different ways. Anyone who tells you that you can smoke something um, and still be training as much as you can, as fit as you can, they're delusional. 
So what if you aren't smoking it? That is an answer you're going to have to think of yourself based on where you live and what is legal. When you have issues of legality, you're starting a discussion on ethics and morality. And if you're a martial arts instructor and you break the law, you have to remember you maybe are not representing your school, your teacher, your art in the best way you can. But what if where you live, it is legal? What I will say firmly is that booze or drugs do not mix with training in jiu-jitsu or the martial arts. And what I mean by that is in, if you don't know, the rising tide of people that view that, you know, using marijuana will make you roll better. It will make your training better. And that's utter BS. Marijuana is not going to make you train better. (laughs) That's like saying eating oranges is going to make your rolling better. Think about it. You wouldn't want someone drunk or stoned driving a car or operating heavy machinery. So why would you think it would make sense to have someone stoned doing something like jujitsu where someone can really get hurt? Remember, this person's trying to choke or armbar you. (laughs) They just don't mix. That doesn't mean that one can't be done outside of the other, if you know what I'm saying. Separately, away from training, uh, it's an issue that each person will have to look at. And when you think about it, some people like beer or scotch or some people like other things. What I'm saying is just don't do it and train. If you think that, you know, I'm going to drink beer and do jujitsu and that is something that I'm going to... Everybody would look at you (laughs) like you're the craziest person on the planet. And yet, you know, people are thinking that being stoned and rolling is something that makes sense. I don't think that... uh, I don't think it's necessary. When it comes to marijuana and training, the thing that people are trying to find is that chilled out flow. I can understand that. Some people have a very hard time with that. And you know what? If off of the mats and away from training, you can use that to help you learn how to chill out, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that these things are bad. What I'm saying is you don't do it and train. Just like, you know, brush your teeth before you train. I want to smell your breath. So if you're using marijuana to try to get the chilled out flow, believing that it's going to help your jujitsu, this comes from learning to detach the ego from the training. And for some, that's a hard thing to do. When something is hard, we want it easy. So some people think that they should smoke pot and roll to get the same effect. Now the thing is that the actual result we need is not what's happening. 
it's a fix for a default in their personality and their instruction and their training. Instead, you need to do the work. If you want to chill out when you do jujitsu, try to learn to detach from the monkey mind that is going wild when you do jujitsu. What you need to do is learn to breathe. What you need to do is learn to meditate. You need to learn to let go. You need to learn to flow. You need to leave your ego at the door. You don't need drugs to do that. What you need is an empty cup and to do the work. The other thing to think about is that young people study the martial arts too. So if you're teaching martial arts or maybe a role model without even realizing it and some kid finds out you were doing pot jitsu, are you really <laughs> inspiring the right kind of thing in the kids who are the future of the martial arts? Probably not. And if you want to disagree with me, go ahead. But if you think about it, if I was going to say, hey, man, everybody should drink a half a bottle of scotch and do jujitsu, <laughs> you'd think I was on, well, you'd think I was on drugs. <laughs> now, realize that all of us who train might be an inspiration to others. And you'll probably look at your training in another light. So there you go. You know what? Do whatever you want to do off the mats. But on the mats, do the work. Do the training. Develop a better you. Be a healthier you. And if you do choose to, you know, do things, learn to keep it separate. You know, I like a beer. I'm a Canadian. I don't drink beer and train. I don't drink scotch and train. What you do in your downtime is your downtime. If the only, and you know, we talked about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's a good example. That guy was amped up on a different level in normal life. And according to biographers, he needed to take into his body marijuana way back in 1960s, when probably everybody was doing it, but that's beside the point. But he used it to help him to chill out because he was so wired. He just wanted to train all the time. He used it so he could relate to other people on their level to get himself out of his head. But he didn't do it when he was training. So there you go. I know I probably opened a big kettle of fish here, but um, I think that's a good question, especially given what's going on in... uh, especially jiu-jitsu right now. There's a lot of people really trying to push this idea of being stoned and doing jiu-jitsu. And you know what? If that turns your crank, well, there's lots of people that do lots of things. Some of them make no sense. Some of them do. And if what makes you happy is doing that, whatever. Just don't delude yourself into believing that you are inspiring kids Don't believe that you're inspiring your students to live healthier. Don't believe your own delusions. If you like smoking pot or however you do it, just try to keep it separate. Jiu-Jitsu is an amazing martial art and it doesn't need that attached to it. You know, it's like trying to tell me that I need to smoke marijuana to enjoy Bob Marley. 
I'm pretty sure that I love Bob Marley whether I am using marijuana or not. That makes sense. Anyhow, like I said, I'm not judging. Just answering the question and it's my opinion. So there you go. Inspire others. Be a, an example on the mats. And what you do in your own home, maybe just keep that to yourself too. Nobody needs to know. We're trying to be better at being us. So that wraps up this podcast. Man, we went from Bruce Lee to drinking full cups of tea (laughs) to an empty cup and then into marijuana. How the heck did that happen? Anyhow, that's what this podcast is all about. And you're listening, so you must be enjoying it. Um, If you can, and I know you can because you've figured out enough how to listen to this thing, Give us a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts. And what I mean by that is click the five stars and also write something, people. Right? This thing is great or whatever turns your crank. I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of people saying that I am anti-marijuana, which is not the case whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I just don't think that belongs on the mats. Um, anyways, without going down that rabbit hole some more, uh, if you could do a review, that'd be fantastic. Um, we have a Facebook page for the Warriors Way podcast. You can find the usual way you find things on Facebook. So follow us there. Uh, we have the Warriors Way podcast website. Um, I do articles and have other stuff on there. Um, You can look for us on Instagram. The Instagram is not under Warrior's Way, though. It's under my martial arts school. So it's the Eek Academy. Um, I post lots of stuff there. And there's also a Facebook page for the Eek Academy if you want to find me there, too. Um, If you have a question of the week, please send it on in. You can reach me through the Warrior's Way podcast Facebook page. And I will do my best to... Um, answer that question like I did with this one. Um, And for those that have written me and told me how much they like the podcast, thank you so much. That makes my day, to be honest with you. If you can imagine, this is one guy making a podcast, and it's amazing to see how many people have actually listened to it. We're actually at 5,000 listens already, which is crazy. Um, That blows me away that people want to listen to me that much. Um, so if you're one of those people who listen every week, thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to 2019 and see what else we can do. The podcast, I think, is getting better and better every week. Um, tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. Tell the people at work about it. Tell your Facebook people about it. Um, tell the people in your dojo because that is what this is about. It's about, um, talking about these things that help our training. Um, and then outside of that, if you like this kind of stuff that I talk about, I've written a few books on martial arts and training. One is, surprise, surprise, called Warrior's Way. It's a guide to lifelong learning in the martial arts. And the other one is called A Wolf in the Woods, which 
I will do a podcast on eventually. And it happened after I got into a scrap with a wolf in the woods and it kind of changed my way of viewing my training and how I teach and fitness. And you can't help, you know, get into a scrap with a wolf in the woods when and not kind of end up a little bit different afterwards. Um, but that's another story again. Uh, and that's all that I have for today. So please do give us a review. Join us on all that social media stuff. It makes me happy when people do that and lets me know that people are listening because you can imagine this podcast business is a lonely one. And hey, man, it's 100% free. I don't ask for your money. So the least you can do is give me a review. That's me guilting you. And with that, make sure you get on those mats today. Make sure you train train hard, think about things, research things, develop, make yourself better every single day and be a good friend, be a good training partner, be a good person, inspire others. Thanks a lot.